Well, at long last, we come to the Tenth Commandment, and it's, it's an interesting commandment. It's one of the longer ones uh, in Exodus 20. Um, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. And we usually shorten that to you shall not covet. Now, covet is not a word that we use very often. Uh, we get rid of the old English, thy, thou, and so forth, but we, we haven't gotten rid of covet, have we? Uh, it's a, not a word that we use, um, but it's an interesting word because it has to do with desire. All right, now you, you open up a can of worms there when you talk about desire because there's absolutely nothing wrong with desire. So if there's nothing wrong with the desire that we have, for instance, to eat, to drink, to have relationship with other people, uh, to earn money, to uh, gain a position in life, uh, to live successfully through the day, to get to the weekend, uh, all these are desires that uh, can be perfectly legitimate. So the question to raise is, what makes coveting a, a desire that is unique and therefore, it's forbidden. This is apodictic. There's no for instance here. There's no for instance that you are just not allowed to covet. So what, what is it? What, what is it? You'll notice that it's one of the commandments. It's like the fourth commandment. In the fourth commandment, it says that uh, when you um, worship, um, you should uh, give rest to the, the family, the, your animals, and so forth, it's, it's one of the, the uh, commandments that goes into somewhat of a detail. Uh, and, and the purpose of going into the detail is so that you cannot take exception to this universal command. You can't escape it. You, uh, you, you are to honor the Sabbath day and keep it holy. And not only you, but the people in your house and your animals and so forth and so on. So if, it, if, it's, if, you can, if you can't escape the universality of the command, that makes it all the more imperative that we understand what is this desire. Now, here's an interesting thing. Remember in the past weeks when I've read to you from the catechism how detailed the commandment would be or how detailed the forbidden would be? This is the shortest of all the ones. This is the shortest of all the catechism's explanation of what the commandment requires of us and what it forbids of us. So let me read it. It's two, two or three sentences apiece. What are the duties required in the Tenth Commandment? Okay, without exception. What's the duty? The duties required in the Tenth Commandment are such a full contentment with all our own condition and such a charitable frame of the whole soul toward our neighbor as that all our inward motions and affections touching him tend unto and further all that good which is his. Now, that's, that's kind of complicated. But notice the words that stand out here. Full contentment, your whole soul all your inward motions that has to do with all the good of your neighbor. All right, so you are to be so full of contentment that you don't desire what is your neighbor's because it's his. 
all right? Now, if that's what's commanded, then what's forbidden? The sins forbidden in the Tenth Commandment are discontentment with our own estate, envying and grieving at the good of our neighbor, together with all inordinate motions and affections to anything that is his. So, so there's two themes here. There's, there's contentment on one side, and then there is the idea of discontentment and uh, uh, being, uh, you're envying and grieving at the good of your neighbor. If you envy and you, uh, you're, you're grieving at the good of your neighbor. So, so what does this do? Well, this, this uh, perhaps of all the commandments, and, and this is, many people have said this, this is certainly not original with me, is that this commandment gets at your heart. This commandment makes you dig down deeply into um, where your desires are and what your desires are. So, so, there, so there are desires that are good, and, with, and we can't live without desires, all right? In fact, to desire the good, to desire all the things that I mentioned before, it's perfectly legitimate, and, and without them, there would be no motivation for living. Desire motivates you. Desire pushes you. Desire drives you. And, and so, therefore, they're good. So, so the idea is that to have your heart in such a way that, uh, to, again, to, I, I just love this definition here, full contentment, your whole soul toward your neighbor, and all our inward motions are in favor of his good. And so, therefore, you're not discontent with what you have, and you don't want what he has. The, the, the desire is not there. Um, so, and, and then this notion, and how many times do we find ourselves thinking this when we grieve or we, we, uh, uh, we grieve at the goodness that our neighbor has because we'd like to have it. Because it, it's, it's something that he has that, that uh, or she, I'm sorry, I don't want to be inclusive here, um, so, so that it, it, it gets at uh, uh, what, what really drives you in, in your thought life here. So we, we've talked about the other commandments that the deed begins with a thought. All right, so murder begins with hatred in your heart or anger, all right? Or adultery begins with a lustful thought, a lustful glance. Um, and, and so, therefore, the, the, the whole idea that, that everything springs out of the heart is, is, of course, something that Jesus emphasized in his teaching. So the, the state of the heart, the state of the heart, and um, now here's, what's, here's what makes it interesting, This is John Frame, not Andy. So I give credit where credit is due. And I think it, it's helpful. Um, I say here, coveting here, what's the trajectory of coveting? Where does it begin and where does it go? What's the trajectory of coveting? All right? So it begins with a spontaneous desire. It begins with an idea. It begins with a thought. And uh, it, I have here, and this is John's word too, it takes us off guard. When, when you have a coveting thought and you recognize it as a coveting thought, it takes you off guard because 
you're not always coveting. You're right. Co- coveting is, uh, is, is something that is taking... The, the, there's the same trajectory here for temptation. The same trajectory as temptation. Temptation begins with an idea. Temptation begins with a thought. Tempta- and so, therefore, the difference with temptation is you... you um, Temptation, we know, is not sin. Temptation is not sin. Temptation drives you towards sin. I, I think I've, I've used this illustration. Martin Luther said, you can't stop the birds from flying in your, over your head, but you can stop them from nesting in your hair. Okay, so, you know, and I don't have much nesting material up there. Okay, so, so you can't stop the idea. So the point of the idea is, point is, it is spontaneous. You, you didn't... Uh, uh, you're not responsible, as it were, for its first appearing there. It just emerges. Um, and and who, remember, remember what Paul says in Romans 7? That, that the commandment provokes the sin. The commandment against coveting provokes the sin of coveting. Now, that's another whole topic. And again, I, I mentioned to you Tim Keller's sermon on the battle between the two selves. It, you, you've got to hear that sometime. The battle between the two selves. So, so that the, 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 uh, because of our sinful nature, when the idea comes of covenanting, it, it provokes, the, the idea provokes sin in the heart. And the question is, what do you do with that? All right. So that's the beginning part of it. It's something spontaneous. It arises. It takes us off guard. So then the next step is obviously nursing that desire. Now, how do you nurse the desire? How do you nurse the desire? Well, you keep thinking about it. And, and, and you're thinking. What's that? You can't get it out of your mind. And then so the, the idea is it's in there. So... How do you keep it in there? You keep it in there by thinking about it. You keep it in there by, I hate to use this word, fondling it. It's, 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 uh, huh? Don't use the hand motion. Okay. <laughs> oh, that's bad, Pam. Okay. So you, you <laughs> even Bobby's smiling down here. Okay. So, so you, the, nursing, the, nursing the desire is, is thinking about it in such a way that you're inclined to do what? Make a plan to achieve it. All right? So it, it begins with the innocent idea, idea, the innocent desire. All right? Takes you off guard. Well, then you nurse it. And then if, if the trajectory doesn't stop, then you make a plan to achieve it. All right? Well, then there's obviously a fourth step, and you accomplish the desire, the deed. Well, eventually, you end up stealing. Or you, you end up in some way acquiring it. So, almost all commentators think that coveting is steps three and four. Coveting is steps three and four. What if coveting begins with number one? That's the way I'm inclined to think, because that gets us back to what the and I hate the, the catechism is not the Bible, okay? And I realize that the catechism is not the Bible, but once you begin 
not to be in full contentment with your own condition, and once you begin to be discontented with your own state, then you, you, you're already, uh, you've got to get it out of your mind. You've got to change your mind. Um, full disclosure, Pam and I had a tiff this week. It was a very minor thing, but we both, boom. I mean, it was, it was a flashpoint. We both got angry. I threw the phone. Pam walked out of the room. All right? That, that, that's the full disclosure. That's what happened. Well, within five minutes, Pam walks back in. See, she, she did it before I did it. She walks back in the room, and she leans down, and she kisses me, and she says, I love you. All right? Now, what, what, what we both should have done, rather than my throw the phone, we, it was, oh, it's so silly what it was over, it, wasn't it? I'm trying to think what it was. <laughs> I, I, I think it had. I think it had to do with. I think it had to do with uh, with uh, recalling events as they happened. I. <laughs> oh, okay. Full disclosure here. Okay. So. Okay, so, <laughs> so anyway, um, you know, I, I, when I look back on it now, when, when I don't know what Pam thought when she walked out of the room. I mean, I know what I was thinking. I, I was sitting there stewing. I knew that I knew I had done the wrong thing. Right away, I knew it. And, you know, right away, flashpoint, throw water on the fire and just say, I'm sorry. All right, that would have ended it. All right, so, so the point is... Um, even to give in, even to begin to nurse is you're on the dangerous path. You're, 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 uh, you're not letting the desire go when you know that the desire is wrong. Thoughts? David. No, I don't think so. Oh, <laughs> well, see, now that's. Yeah, you, you, you didn't take the key is you didn't take his. Yes, because what, what we're doing here is we're we're dealing with with what comes out of the heart. We're dealing also with our relationship with our neighbors. And we're dealing also with the whole idea of acquisitiveness, uh, t- uh, wanting uh, wanting something inordinately, wanting something in such a way that it it it, it makes us, uh, you know, I would say that David's going, uh, just to use your example, if David goes and buys a new car and goes into debt and he can't afford it, well then that that's that's a problem. But there's no, certainly nothing wrong with if you, you know, why, why do we all why do we buy new cars? We buy new cars uh, supposedly to replace older cars. So, so what would be a reasonable time to go buy to buy a car without sinning? 
All right. The viewers are not going to like me. All right, I'll use full disclosure. 1972, we had a Volkswagen Fastback, and it was a cool car. We replaced our Volkswagen Beetle. All right, 1972. So uh, it was. We lived in Western Pennsylvania. The salt was beginning to rust it out, but it was. It was not approaching 100,000 miles. It still went, and so I, I said to Pam, "I think we ought to get a new car." And, and we went at it back and forth. She said, well, you know, do you think we can afford it now? I think I was making about $10,600 in 1972, which uh, was okay, but it's no great shakes. What were you making in 1972? I, I don't know. So, so we went back and forth, and, and finally Pam said, this is great. You're the head of the family. You make the decision. So... Things change because <laughs> things change because I bought a Dodge Dart. It was an eight-cylinder Dodge Dart in a small town, so the motor never warmed up. You drive to the grocery store; it hadn't warmed up yet, so it's always getting six miles a gallon. So Pam says, "You made the decision," <laughs> you know. So, so I mean, well, the, the point was uh, we probably did need a new car. Probably I made the wrong decision, and we we traded and got another car. So there's n- there's nothing wrong with it, with a desire and fulfilling that desire by what I would call uh, legitimate means, legitimate means. So the, obviously uh, this down here, the stealing is 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 obviously the wrong thing. Yep, there you go. Is that, is that a, yeah, could be. John Frame says this. I thought this was an interesting comment, too. Um, to apply this commandment in death is to search one's own heart for desires. That, okay, that was this. Uh, where did I have it here? Oh. He said it's not enough in today's politics to help the poor unless we also in some way hurt the rich, unless we some way punish the rich. In other words, having this, uh, this notion of uh, um, we envy the other person's wealth, and so therefore we desire the other person to pay higher taxes, to, to have misfortune, and so forth. I mean, I'm trying to get out of all the kind of thoughts that we can have here. Yes, Pam? You gonna go, got a good one? Okay. I think that notion of an inclusio, you begin with God and you end with the coveting of the heart, that compacts the whole thing together. It makes it hang together. Jerry? Yeah, I, I began our, our study of this by saying that the Ten Commandments are paradigmatic. And by that I meant that one can stand for the whole. You can mention one and you got the rest of the package. 
you can't escape the rest of the package because the more that you, you look at every one of them, it can bleed over into the others. They're, they're never, it's, it's not a cafeteria line where you can take this one and take that, but it, it's, it's, it's holistic. It's a, uh, scientists use the t- paradigm for a way of thinking that makes their system hold together. So the Ten Commandments are, is our ethical system that holds our life together. And so, therefore, I can't really separate faithfulness in marriage from remembering the Sabbath day, from not stealing, from not coveting, from not making a graven image. They, they all, in some way, uh, touch one another. Jerry. <laughs> Let, let's see if Bobby gives an amen to that. You give an amen to that, Bobby. <laughs> Danny? You know, the, the interesting thing is the way that, that Moses tells us what went through Eve's mind when she was tempted. All right? Genesis chapter 3, verse 6. Woman, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it delighted her eyes, and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, you know, get that southern accent I said there? Wise? <laughs> I'm s- I, I've been here too long. <laughs> Whoa. Okay. Okay. So it was good for food. Okay. It was a delight to the eyes, that desirable to make one wise. She took from its fruit and ate, and she gave it to her husband. With her, and he ate. Um, we're not sure what went on in Adam's mind, uh, but that was, and I think that that's related. Yes, dear. <laughs> yes, dear. Okay. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> Dan. Okay, it's, it's related to to First John two, fifteen to seventeen. Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If one loves the world, and again. Apropos of Don's thing here, if we love the world more than we love God, if we love anything that is in the world more than we love God, and what does love of the world entail? The, uh, if one loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him, for all that is in the world is what? The lust of the flesh, lust is an inordinate desire. The, the desire of the flesh, the desire of the eyes, and boastful pride is not from the Father but is of the world. So Pam's right. We we are under assault by the world in so many ways that these we 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 can't really stop this. But Danny's got the secret here that in terms of you change your mind, you think about something else. Pam once told me that uh, um, I think it was Pam, but anyway, uh, she can take credit. Um, whenever I drop something now. 
and I'm tempted to get angry about it. I thank God for gravity. That changes my my whole mindset. Is changes from the splat on the floor, the spot on my my dress, my my <laughs> dress, my my shirt, and so forth. So it it changes my mind because I'm thinking about something good, gravity. What will you do without gravity? Suppose suppose I let this and it just stood there, or it moved sideways, or it went up, and you couldn't depend. No matter what you did, it it's it's not going to fall. Yes. <laughs> oh, good. I think it's a good reminder to have us see that, uh, yes, this, it, it, it talks about your neighbor here. It talks about uh, uh, not taking, but it begins in the family. It begins with, with our contentment with the family. It begins with our uh, relationships. All of this comes together. Yes, Freddie? Jealousy for coveting, sure. It, it certainly jealousy is involved in it. There are, uh, that's a very good comment there. Um, I just want to just, uh, somebody, Tom. For those of you over here, Tom was saying that the, really the, the the key philosophy of the Greeks was to seek pleasure and to achieve it. And once you have pleasure as your primary goal, desire, then that's obviously going to uh, take the place of, and because it, there is a struggle between the old and the new man, and we know that it occurs every day, um, that we're aware of that. Just being aware of it is is kind of half the battle. To, to know when this, when this, the very idea of something taking us off guard, the very idea that it sneaks in there, and then you, uh, in some way, latch onto it. That that's the kind of key. Fran, Fran had her hand up here for a while. 
just takes so many different forms. Recognition, uh, popularity, uh, the, the idea that we don't think somebody deserves something and that what they have is they're not deserving of it and we are deserving of it. Um, Uh, let me write that one down here. <laughs> nanny, 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 boo, boo. Okay. I, I like that. <laughs> Speak up. Thank you for all of your, your comments this morning. I, I think that um, we know that this is a, an issue that we uh, can, can think about and, and uh, reflect on. Um, I'm kind of done with the law now, and we could continue in Exodus for another half a year, but I'm done with the law. So we're, we're going to turn to something in the New Testament next. Huh? <laughs> so I, th- I think we're going... I think we're going to look at 1 Peter. There are a lot of things in 1 Peter that, that uh, would have contemporary application to. So um, I, I think we'll, we're going to do that starting next week. And then if, if Charlie could arrange maybe Freddie and, and, and Hap to come in on the, on the uh, Sunday, I think it's the 22nd, uh, that, that would be good. All right, let's pray. <clears throat> our Father, you, you've uh, fed our hearts and minds today, not only through your word, but through uh, discussion and and questions that help us uh, to realize that uh, your law is perfect. Your law is good. Uh, And and your law is is something that we aspire to. And we pray that the desires of our heart will be from commandments 1 through 10. And that uh, when the commandment provokes sin, we pray that you would help us Uh, to reflect on your word, to replace it with words and ideas that are good and beautiful and true and lovely. Uh, For you have given us the means by which we can escape um, this cycle of of ideas and nurturing and a a plan and then bringing it to fruition. Uh, We thank you that you you bring that to our attention this day. Uh, In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.